Thank you for tuning in to the Biz Nation podcast. My name is Kerry Zarb, and I've been helping business owners just like you go from headache to heaven in a heartbeat for over 20 years. I'll be giving you all the top advice for getting started in your business, but I'll also be speaking with some of the best business minds to inspire you with valuable insights to help you get ahead in your business. If you've ever hit a roadblock or lost your passion, then this is the podcast for you. Good morning, good afternoon, or good evening. This is the Biz Nation podcast, and I'm Kerry, and today we've got episode 49. Wow. 49. So 50 is just around the corner and then 52, which I'm super excited about because that will hit the anniversary of one year in podcasting. So that's super cool and I'm really looking forward to it. Today on the podcast, we have Mike, who is the founder of Live Your Truth Media. Mike has been building an amazing amount of experience for over 10 years and I'm going to get Mike to tell us all about his story. So welcome to the show, Mike. Uh, thank you so much for having me, Carrie. This is this is so great. I'm very excited to talk to you today. Awesome. Thank you. I appreciate your time so much. And we're going to have some fun with this, but we've got lots to unpack. So we're going to hit it pretty hard, pretty fast. And I think the biggest thing for me is I just want to know more about your zones of genius. Tell us, you know, more about yourself and, and a little bit of the backstory would be amazing. Yeah, absolutely. So uh, I... I am a former U.S. Marine. Um, I'm very familiar, uh, very familiar with uh, rules and regiment and structure. So that's probably why uh, I like doing podcasting because there's a process to everything. But uh, I served in the military for four years, uh, went to Iraq twice and served in Operation Iraqi Freedom. And then when I came home, uh, I went to business school. And during that time, uh, getting my education, like lo- most, lo- most military veterans, uh, when they're transitioning out, you think it's just from one place to another. A check in the box, got to get my degree. Well, for me, as I was going through that process, I started to realize that um, I was dealing with some mental health challenges in that process. And for me, it was an impacting my ability to do my schoolwork. More so, it was also impacting my ability to stay focused on going and finding a really amazing career in the business world, doing software sales, working in tech, uh, living in California and being originally from California, Silicon Valley is right down the street from me. And that's where everybody is. So imagine at this point in time as a transitioning veteran, you're in school, you have these plans to go from not making any sort of money and fighting a war to now going to Silicon Valley and making a ton of money or in hopes of making a ton of money. But the problem is, is that this mental health challenge dealing with this, the traumas of war, I started to realize that not only was that not fulfilling, but I was questioning who I was as a person. I didn't know where I fit in the world, even though it felt so seamless. So at that time, I started looking at what was the thing that was that I loved to do. And while going through these mental health challenges and going through therapy at the time to really just find my calling and my purpose, and so many military veterans struggle with this, I realized that the thing I loved the most was storytelling. I loved figuring out and talking about my experience. And this sounds selfish for me to say, like, obviously so, but, but you know, I mean, to be real here, 
I'm a military veteran that was transitioning out of the, out of the, the service. I had done two tours in war. Of course, I want to talk about it. But more so, I wanted to talk about it in a manner that really gave people a lens of this is what it's like for men and women, not just serve in the U.S. military and go to war, but to actually serve in combat in a war just in general and experiencing that and experiencing the ugly side of humanity on both parties, whoever the enemy, we're both enemies to the other person. So for me, it was really trying to hone in on that story. It was really trying to hone in on how do I get people to really connect to my journey home, what I went through, the lessons that I learned about brotherhood, camaraderie, service, leadership, and most importantly, just friendship. What does that really mean? So I ended up secretly on the side while I was getting my business degree, I ended up writing my first book. Uh, And that book is called The Sandbox Stories of Human Spirit and War. And when I wrote that book, I had no idea what I was doing. I had no clue how to write a book. I've never written a book before. I took maybe three English classes in my whole entire life before I actually started that book. And one of the things that I found out in that process was, is that I was actually living the book as I was writing it. There were things that were happening in the stories in that book that were coming to life as I was writing it. It's almost kind of like building the plane as you're flying it, right? That's a a business analogy a lot of people like to use with startups. So at this time, I finished the book and I think I have these grand ideas that still I'm going to go work in Silicon Valley. And I was lucky enough to have a professor tell me that I shouldn't go work in Silicon Valley. And it was because... I wasn't going to be fulfilled and I wasn't going to be happy. And I had a story to share. So after graduation, I ended up at 27 years old getting a publishing deal on the, the probably a month before I was supposed to graduate college. And I ended up pursuing being an, an, an entrepreneur as an author. So building my brand, writing stories about military veteran transition, building a website, blogging, all of these things, trying to get everywhere I could to just talk about the, the horrors of war, but also doing it from focusing it on not just the war in itself and the political views of it, which was a hot topic at that time in the US, but more so focusing on the people that were serving because they seemed a little bit like they were a lost cause at that time. So I did that. And then I started wanting to dive in and doubling down more. So I said, I really want to help brands and companies and people learn how to tell their story like I did. I was somehow able through a lot of mentorship and a lot of help and positive reinforcement from so many people and anybody who's listening, writing a book is tough. It is one of the hardest things that I've ever done to this day. I would much rather go run a half a marathon or a full marathon than put myself through a book publishing process again in such an expedited time. Mm. So Going back to, you know, going back to this period where I found out I love this story, that the love, the art of storytelling, just wanted to help people. So I ended up starting to do contract work and for Huffington Post, I did some for Toyota. It was everything from social media uh, influencer before there was actually the coin term social media influencer. Uh, it was blogging on HuffingtonPost.com. It was consulting on a series about military veterans. It was uh, helping people figure out what was the speech that they wanted to tell at a charity organization. Um, I've helped friends who are founders of mine of nonprofits, and they needed to raise six figures. And I helped them write a speech. And it was, it was really amazing to watch them take 
some of the coaching and some of the things that I was able to help them with through my own experience and watch them accomplish their goal. And nothing brings me more excitement to that. So um, that was very long-winded, but I wanted to be able to share a, a little bit about my passion and what I truly care about, which is all based on my own personal experience. And, um, and currently right now, Live Your Truth Media, where our core, core service is podcasting. So it's an amazing channel. I've been doing podcasts for about four years, and I love the the industry. I love the medium. I love the conversation, just like this one, how authentic and how transparent it can be. Um, and you can really tell how true someone is to their selves and true to their audience that there is through through podcasting. So we do everything from the production side of things, you know, creating content, structuring episodes, the editing process. But we also provide strategy and consulting because we believe people who are going to podcast, two things need to happen. One is, is you need to take it seriously. This is not something, even though you could say it's a hobby and it's fun, don't get that twisted for also wanting to like make money off of it too. You can't joke around and not take it seriously and then look at the other side and say, you want to make all this money. You have to be serious about it. You have to treat it like a business. You can still do an interview like we're doing right now, Carrie, where you and I are talking and we're having a conversation and this can be fun. Yeah. But you also have to know where the fun is and draw a, a box around that and then say, okay, there's business objectives tied into my podcast if you're truly serious about making money. And then the second piece I would say is before I turn it back over to you is really focus on the people that are listening. It doesn't matter if you have one listener, if you have 10 listeners, mm -hmm. there's somebody out there that needs your voice and needs your opinion, your thought, because they're dealing with something that you have knowledge in. If you have a podcast, serve that person. Don't, what, care, don't look at the download numbers. Don't stress over it. Don't put yourself in this like, oh my God, I only got 10 downloads. Who cares? Yeah. Lewis Howes didn't look at his downloads for almost the first year. And he talks about this when he was building the School of Greatness podcast. Joe Rogan, even to this day, has talked about in some articles, he doesn't even look at the download numbers. Even when he was growing the show and it wasn't to where it's at now, he was still focused on quality of conversation. I'm going to let this thing go where it needs to go. And I'm going to focus on serving the people that have given their time to me because that's the true currency. A listener is listening to you in their earbuds while they're doing something else, but they're giving you a piece of their time. So. End rant, end speech, <laughs> soapbox. That's all I have to say. <laughs> I, I love that, Mike. I really do. And I Thank you. can only agree with everything you've just said. And what an amazing like journey for you, you know, with the ex-military and coming out and, and being the storyteller just blows my mind. And, and hats off for that. I think that's awesome. So, yeah, congratulations that, that, that that all worked out for you, I think. And But I think you've driven that. You've really, you know, you've, you've come out of this experience and you've turned it into a positive and you've looked at how you can actually... Um, you know, continue in in the storytelling zone for the better, you know, not like you say, you know, not diving into um, perhaps, you know, a dark place too much, but sometimes we need to go there. Sometimes that's that's a really good place to go in, in the right light. But flipping over to the podcast side, I agree with that, you know, having, it doesn't matter how many downloads, it does not matter. Like my, my journey for the podcast here, for those that are listening was to impact someone, 
Like I just Mm. wanted to impact someone, even if that's just one person, you know, if the message gets across to one person, yay, that's, that's, that's kicking goals. You know, that's, that's where I come from. And, and I love doing interviews like this. It's very ad hoc. We've got a bit of a, you know, a a topic kind of thing to go by, but yeah, just keeping it real and and rolling along, which is fantastic. Awesome. You're listening to the Biz Nation podcast. I would love to connect with you outside of the podcast and you can find me on Clubhouse, Instagram, Facebook or LinkedIn by searching my name, Kerry Zarb, or directly on my website at kerryzarb.club. And don't forget, if you need more support in your business, you can find the community on Facebook at Biz Nation Support Group. So, Mike, tell me a little bit more about the storytelling, but from a a business and life kind of perspective. Yeah, Yeah, so there's there's a two prong approach that I have, and and this is and this is me speaking as an entrepreneur, and also working with entrepreneurs, and then the lastly is any entrepreneurs out there who have businesses. I want everybody to understand that I do not believe in work life balance. I believe it is not a scale that just one goes up and the other goes down and you have to constantly figure out how to make them even. It's just, it doesn't work. That's old school mentality. That's a model that no longer works because we're always trying to correct. We're always trying to adjust something that's just not going to work for us. If we're working too much, then we go on this vacation and we hopefully balance it out. Or we just have to say, oh, we're going to stop working at four to five, you know, four to five in the US, we work 40 hours. I do not know what the work schedule is like in other parts of the world as much as I do know in the US. Mm. But for us, we have a problem where we work so much because we're so driven for our own greatness and our own success, right? And money, it's just, yeah. that's part of the game that you get in. So I think one thing is, is the story, when we talk about entrepreneurs, I want everybody to really think about exactly is the life that they're living now really the one that they want to be living with their business? You may have, you may be married, you may be in a relationship, you may have children, you may have friends, but I'm telling you right now, your business is your another spouse. Yeah. It is the other man, it is the other woman in the relationship. <laughs> it is, it is, and, it, and for lack of better words, it's 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 the mistress. Sometimes it can be the main squeeze, right? But <laughs> It's so important that you recognize this because here's the thing. I made a mistake early in my career that I tried to seek out work-life balance. And the story I told myself around that was, is that, oh, I'm not going to work as much because I have to go play and I have to break my life up into quote thirds. I had to like work these a number of hours and then I had to spend number of hours and that doesn't work. So instead of the work-life balance piece, the story I rewrote for myself, and I want to share with everybody here, because guaranteed there is somebody here on this podcast that is listening, that's probably thinking about this work-life balance thing isn't really my jam. It's not working for me. So here's what I suggest. It's work-life integration. Mm -hmm. So it's not separate. It's part of the whole entire ecosystem that who you are. Mike Ligori, me, I have an ecosystem. I have mm-hmm. my work, I have my life, I have my family, I have my friends. These are all the things that are encompassed. My business is integrated in those sections. It is integrated. So I don't have a set number of hours of when I need to work. I get it to a point where I don't have to do that much 
physical work during the day because I've learned over the years how to increase my output and increase my input in half the time. Mm -hmm. So story one, think about what's the story you want to tell yourself about your business. So that's more of a life person. That's more of a life business philosophy that I encourage everybody here to really start thinking about. Now, here's the thing with storytelling with brands. I see a lot of brands do this. A lot of brands want to monetize a story before they have it fully flushed out. So what they'll do is, is they'll try to find this amazing story. They'll use the buzzwords like vulnerable and like authentic. I mean, we've seen all of this. You've seen influencers do on this. They try to put these very vulnerable, very real emotional videos out there. And sometimes it's almost like manufactured. It's too much. It doesn't come from that place. But it's because we stressed it so much in the storytelling realm. And we've stressed it so much that that's what people care about and the customers care about. They want customers want to know that the businesses care about them. Yes, that is very true. But I believe we have a really huge problem in business right now where there is a lot of companies who are trying to monetize the story before they actually think about the purpose of the actual story that they're trying to tell that audience. Mm -hmm. So for me, an example of this, right, is to to create like a mushy video to sell your shoes. And it's like they know that that's going to pull at the heartstrings to get the shoes instead of thinking about it from the lens of, why are we creating this mushy video? It's not to sell shoes. It should be we're doing something else that makes people see that we're not just about the physical product or the service, that we're actually about an ecosystem that we've created. The brand is a representation of a lifestyle. I wear a t-shirt. The t-shirt makes me feel good because it's not just the logo or the design. It's something that represents who I am. Yeah. So- So I think with brands today with storytelling, I think one of the things that they just have to focus on a little bit more is the strategy and the intention behind telling a story. So it's not flooding our social media channels with all of your ad dollars and the money, and it's not competing for that. It's get really good at finding a story that exists already in your customer base, in your ecosystem, in your employee workforce, and just tell it as it is. Find the key things that people can relate to. Find the feel-good stories and just share it. Because guess what will happen? If you're not trying to push shoes at the end of that story, which is what I mean by monetizing a story, is that there's the story and then it's like buy our shoes half off. Yeah. Right? Or, you know, you know, buy two, get one free. We all act like our brands need to operate as a golden corral, right? Which mm-hmm. is a buffet chain here in the U.S., or a sizzler, we need to have some sort of like two for one deal attached to it or pushing a promo in sales or it doesn't meet business objectives. Sometimes just telling the story does enough. Yeah. If you just tell the story that is currency overall and you can still sell because they'll remember how good that story was and they'll probably go buy your shoes anyway because of the fact that you were so connected to the thing that you shared with them about the story in general. So another thing for entrepreneurs to really think about is, is that take the money out of the storytelling. Know that like through osmosis, you are going to make money if you do a really good job of telling stories. That's the first, that's the thing. And the second thing, when we talk about brands and storytelling in general, and also the lifestyle, right? So we talked about it's not work-life balance. 
I theorized it's work-life integration and defining that for yourself for entrepreneurs or any business, right? You could be a bakery, you could be a shoemaker, you could work in the paper mill factory. You still have a story that has to be told and it's constantly being written. Then the second thing is, is don't think about how you're going to make money off a story. Tell the story first and build the narrative around that or what you want your customers to get out of you and your fans. But more importantly, there are people right now that have been with you since day one. And I think brands are doing a disservice to these people if they start attaching dollar amounts and metrics of success to a story to make money instead of connecting the story to the person and saying, we just wanted to share this with you. We are all wired for story. There is neuroscience that proves it. We have been telling stories for, since the dawn of time. And you know, back in the primitive days, we were sitting around campfires and we were sharing, that's how legends were born. That's how myths were told from the Greeks and the Romans. Um, that is how, you know, if you are a Christian out there, that is how Jesus spreaded the gospel of, of the Lord. Mm-hmm. He went out and he told people, God is love. And this was the story. There was no internet. No. There was, there was, there was no, there was no fact checking. Yeah. There was this, there were stories. There were stories and people gravitated to him because of what it did for me. It triggered something mm. inside people that got them inspired and motivated. Yeah. And, and so those are the two things. And I would say the third thing is, is that don't focus so much on trying to get as much out there as possible. I think we have a quantity problem, especially with the internet. It's way too much. Yeah. And I think it's because in our heads, we're thinking if we outproduce more, right? Or um, I'll take a step back for a second. There's, there are theories floating out there where people think the more content that I produce, the better I get. So, you know, excellence through repetition. Mm-hmm. I agree with that to a certain extent. You do need practice. Sports players do it all the time. The more reps, the more shots that they take, the better that they're going to get. So it does make sense in theory. But you also have to think about it from the lens of if you're putting out content to just put out more than the guy next to you, right? And it's a dog eat dog. We're competitive. We're in the same industry. Uh, You've got that all wrong. I think what you got to look at is, is like, what are they doing that I'm not doing? And sometimes it requires you to say, I'm not going to touch that, or I'm not going to try to put all these like crazy Instagram videos out there and just post twice a day and try to you know mess with the algorithm. Sometimes it just takes for you to have a well-executed campaign that features people that, re- that you care about, that you have it somehow impacted their life. And those need to be people that are featured because I promise you, there are people out there you can hire who are very, very good at this, that have already done the repetitions, yep. that already know what it takes to be successful and have excellence in this. So one good piece of content could literally change your brand. Mm. 10,000 pieces of content, you're hoping that you are going to hit that one piece of content because you're doing it yourself and you're just trying to dial it in, dial it in, dial it in. And that I believe also creates burnout. And I think a lot of entrepreneurs, and I'm seeing this more and more, I think a lot of people do not like social media. They're actually moving away from it. Oh, yeah. I, they're a business, so I have business owners who personally, their companies on social media, but they themselves, I don't believe in that personal brand stuff. It's not for me. 
I'm not even on Instagram. I'm not even on LinkedIn. I'm not even like, or maybe they're probably on LinkedIn just for connections piece, but they're not on Twitter. They're not on Facebook. They're not on Clubhouse. They're not on any of that stuff because the business is, but they are not wrapped up in their own identity. They're wrapped up in the company identity. And I think you're going to see a lot more people saying social media has become this playground where everybody is just throwing stuff out there and it's becoming too much that uh, I heard a study somewhere uh, on a podcast episode that between the hours of 11 to four, if we look at our screens or we look at our phones and this is 11 at night to 4 a.m. in the morning, uh, we have, we will greatly increase our chances of developing depression. We actually make ourselves more depressed when we look at that from an 11 to four window. Wow. And I thought that was mind boggling to me. Yeah. I thought that was absolutely mind boggling to hear this. So my point with that is, is that quantity does not always equal quality, no matter how many reps you take. Sometimes it's just for you to say, Hey, I need to outsource this to somebody who's a master and who has already done the reps. And we need someone who can get the story dialed in. Mm, Yeah. I love that. Everything you've just said, like certain points of just like ping, ping, ping over here, hundred percent. I, I want to go back because I agree with you work-life balance. No, no, it's just like, to me, it's not a thing. I, I here in Australia, it's, it's pretty well, you know, eight till four, nine till five, you know, the 38, 40 hour week, all that kind of stuff. It doesn't work. And especially as a business owner, it just blows right out of proportion, obviously. But you know what? What I've learned in my business journey is you need, like you said, they're morphed together. It's a combination, you know, and it, and it may be, you know, I might be at my computer at seven o'clock in the morning, but then at nine o'clock I'm, I'm out in the house, I'm doing something else. COVID's changed a lot, as we know, because, you know, working from home and more and more people working remote, even in employee cases. But um, yeah, it's it's not that strict kind of zone anymore. And the same thing I was chatting with someone the other day about, you know, speaking with clients out of hours, you know, what does that look like now? Because COVID again has changed the landscape. So a lot of perception these days is that people are readily available and on tap. So as a business owner, you've got to kind of dial into yourself and go, oh, geez, it's, you know, it's 9 p.m. So-and-so has reached out to me. Yes, it's a five-second reply. It literally is. They've got a question. You can answer that question. But are you opening the can of worms of training your clients that you are on tap? Are you opening the can of worms of that question turns into another question and another question and another question. You've got to find what works for you. At the end of the day, I'm a true believer, exactly like you, Mike, work-life balance, it's all morphed. It's all got to come together and you're going to work out your own schedule. You know, for those um, in business that have kids, small kids, you know, like they need to go and do school drop-offs or pickups or whatever, you know, it's all focused around life. And you've got to make your business or even as an employee work for your life. And, and the world's giving us more flexibility like that. It's, it's really. Yeah, important. absolutely. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And one point I wanted to just mention is you were talking about it's all morphed. So um, I want to jump into this, uh, to the narrative design piece that we at our company are starting to work on right now. And my, my wonderful uh, podcast co-host partner, Katie D'Andrea, 
uh, is an ontological coach, which basically is somebody who studies the nature of reality for people. So when I say that, a lot of people just go like mind blown, like, wow, the nature of reality, how does that work? Well, you would be shocked. Um, But on our podcast, Live Your Truth Now, what we do is we talk about storytelling. We talk about the art of narrative design and with the intention of helping you write your ultimate story. So notice I didn't say write a new story, the ultimate story. We all want to create a narrative around our lives that is seamless, that unlocks abundance, that unlocks love and joy in our lives and all of these amazing special energies that we have. And especially on the business side of things too, if like there was a way to create a narrative which money was always coming in and our employees were happy and people loved our products and services. Is that possible? Yes, it totally is. But through the art of narrative design, we have to look at the first step, which is core limiting beliefs. So Katie and I talk about this. We talk about you have to establish and first identify what are the things that you believe in right now that are holding you back. And I want to bring this up narrative design-wise because um, for anybody that has seen the TV show Westworld or is familiar with video games, um, video games have narrative designers. So we play the character, and the narrative designers are the game designers that go through and create the levels, choose the paths, give the character, which is us, choices on how we want to proceed through the game. So take that concept for yourself and say, I am in the game of life right now. What is the path that I want to create for myself? And how do I want to enter that? Mm-hmm. What do I want to remove from my life now that's either limiting me, no longer serving me from achieving my business objectives or achieving my personal goals? And I think this is so important for us as we talk about, as we talk about even work-life balance versus work-life integration. So many people... So, so, so many people are choosing not to write a new narrative around that. They think that they're stuck in a limiting belief of, I'm not worthy, uh, I'm hopeless, um, I'm not being seen or heard, I'm not loved. And immediately we gravitate towards those things and we stop ourselves from actually writing the narrative. And so it's very important for all you business owners out there or people who are in business is that when you are trying to grow and when you are trying to scale, and especially when you're trying to tell your story through a brand, you have to identify the limiting beliefs. And probably some of you going out there is like, yeah, but how is that? Where's the metrics with that? How come you can't quantify that? Limiting beliefs, you cannot quantify. There is not a scale where you say, oh, 70% of our revenue is affected by this core limiting belief that we're not being seen or heard or we're not enough for them. There, there's no such thing. Mm-hmm. It's just you saying we're not selling enough or we're not serving our customers more because we don't believe that we're really truly putting them first. So we actually don't think they're enough or we don't think we're enough to serve these people that we do think are enough. And we give our, we actually create self-inflicting wounds of inadequacy. So The first thing I would say is all of you business owners out there and people who work at companies that maybe you have some part ownership in there, or maybe you're a startup employee, one, two, 10, 12, it doesn't matter. If you're working at a business, chances are everybody in that room has one of the core limiting beliefs, not just in a personal setting, but in a business setting. And it's so important to identify that and look at reframing that perspective and saying, 
how do we want to take this narrative away of maybe we're not enough? Maybe people don't feel like we're being seen or heard. Like maybe customers don't really care what we have to say, right? But that's an assumption. That is a lens of our own experience. And how do we rewrite the new narrative around that? So how do we change the way that we look at interacting as a business by destroying one of those core limiting beliefs? Mm. I love that. That's, that's awesome. Yeah. Wow. Okay. I'm a little bit mind blown by all of that. I will confess. <laughs> it's a lot. It's a lot. It, it, is. it, is. it is. Yeah. It is. Well, and, and, and I think even Carrie, like when you, when you look at the lens of just you and your show, or you look at somebody that's in the world with you, we all have limiting beliefs and chances are, I would probably say 99.9%. I don't want to go to a hundred yet. Cause that means a full guarantee and there's always room <laughs> for error, but um, there's a 99.9% chance you are currently dealing one of the five core limiting beliefs. And we talk about this on the show, what those are and what are some of the symptoms and remind you, I am not a doctor and neither is Katie. Mm -hmm. I'm only using the term symptoms because it's something that you guys can relate to because we've all had symptoms of something. So when you look at those core limiting beliefs, chances are you're dealing with one of them right now. Sometimes you're dealing with two or three. Mm -hmm. And if you're in a really bad situation, you're going down the depression rabbit hole or, you know, business isn't, isn't booming like you wanted to. And maybe you actually have gone, you know, back into the red and profits aren't there for you. It's very easy for you to experience all five at the same time. Wow. I'm going to tune in. I'm going to tune in, Mike, because I want to get across this. And, and yeah, I'm going to find out more about this. This is some pretty awesome stuff. Um, well, thank you. Before we wrap it up, we nearly forgot. You are, you are in the process of writing another book. I am. I am. Yes. So I'll touch on that real quick. And thank you for bringing that up, Carrie. I was having, I was so just uh, wanting to like share as much business knowledge yeah. as I could. And again, I don't consider myself an expert or a master of it. Um, I consider myself a student of this because I'm always learning and I just want to share what I know. Um, but uh, I am also a writer and writing is something, writing is my first love. It was how uh, it was kind of my trade, so to speak. This is where I learned the art of storytelling through countless hours of sentence structure and writing things and learning that I don't have to write and edit the book that you can pay people to edit your book for you. And there's an emotional attachment to, as Stephen King says, killing your darlings. Mm -hmm. So um, I am right. I, in, in November of last year, during 2020, I went on a 10 day road trip with my dad. Now with just saying that right there, you're kind of like, great. What's really the catch behind this? Well, and I'll tell you this, everybody. Uh, for the last 30 years, I'm 37 years old. Uh, I will be celebrating my 38th birthday this year in November. For the last 30 years, I have had a very tumultuous, very, uh, very interesting relationship with my dad. For most, young, for most men out there, your father is the man that you inherently or unconsciously try to emulate. You just do. Mm -hmm. He's the guy that you look at, whether he was around or not. You take on, you take on some sort of lineage from him. You yeah. take on something from him. For a really long time, my dad was physically present in my life, but mentally wasn't always there. And I struggled with that for years. We got into fights with each other, disagreements. Anything, anytime I heard the word, you're just like your dad, the phrase, you're just like your dad, 
there was an instant rebellion or an instant repel away from that. As I got older, I realized that I had to come to terms at some point that I'm never going to ever want my relationship with my dad to be the way that I want it to. And it wasn't because I was hopeless about it, but it was because I had spent so much of my energy and time for the last 30 years trying to change my dad into being the man that I wanted him to be because I did not understand him. And I didn't realize that. So 2020 was a huge year for me, personal growth wise. I made some amazing friends. Um, I got closer with some of my really good friends with my mom. Um, and I also ended up getting closer with my dad mm-hmm. only out of the, out of the fact that I decided to accept him for who he was. And as we get older and our parents get older in life, um, we start to see that you start making concessions. Yeah. You start seeing that maybe all that the grudges and the, the issues that I had with him, maybe that wasn't that big of a deal. And I would rather just let us spend the rest of his life and my life, that the time that we have together um, to just have what we can have. Mm-hmm. And honestly, Carrie, I didn't want to go to his funeral someday. You know, my dad's in his seventies. Um, I'm, I'm so thankful he's alive every single day. I just don't know when his time's up. Mm but I didn't want to go to his funeral and have to do a eulogy and have nothing to say about my dad because I chose for the last 30 years to not say anything at all. Mm. So in November of last year, he called me up and asked me if I wanted to do a road trip to go see an auto race in Florida, which is on the other side of the country. And it was going to take 10 or 11 days to get there. The initially I said to my, initially in my head, I was like, no way. <laughs> Your knee-jerk reaction. Knee-jerk reaction, right? Being in a car with this man, the man I've had the most tumultuous relationship with, that I've fought with, that I've constantly repelled from, that I've just looked at, and even at one point uttered the words, I hate him mm. in my teenage and early 20 years, especially when I got out of the Marine Corps, and I hated everything he stood for. Now he has the, you know what, to ask me to go on a road trip with him as if nothing happened at all. That was my initial thought. Carrie, I'll tell you that there was a brief moment when he asked me on the phone and he stopped talking and a voice popped in my head and said, Mike, don't say no to your father this time. Give him a chance. Something is going to happen on this trip. Mm. I don't know if it was God. I, I consider myself, I, I believe in God and in a higher power in the universe spirit. All of you out there, I, you, know, you know what I'm talking about. You get that voice in your head. And I go, okay. I didn't question it. I just said yes. And so I said, sure, dad, that sounds great. He goes, really? That would be awesome. I would love that. So I get off the phone. And my girlfriend at the time says, you don't look like you, you don't look like uh, that was good news. And I said, no, it was fine. It's just, uh, I just said yes to going on a road trip for my dad for the next 11 days. And I don't know what's going to happen to us. Mm-hmm. So the journey of this book is about this road trip, how we started in Las Vegas, Nevada for my 37th birthday. And we drove across country, just the two of us through Texas through Arizona, through the Southeast, all the way through Florida, 
And I learned more about my father in those 10, 11 days I've ever learned about him in the last 37 years of my life. And it was because on the premise that I did not know my dad, I knew my dad only as a dad. I did not know him as a man. I did not know what he was like when he was my age. Mm -hmm. I didn't know what he was like in his 20s. I didn't know what was going through his head. And I think so many of us, when we have relationships with our parents, we forget that our moms and dads were people once. They were, they did, we were not even a part of the plan. Yeah. We were a twinkle in their eye or an idea that sprouted in their head when they were in love with somebody and they said, like to have children. They did not imagine us. No. They did not imagine. We came out yeah. a certain type of way and they dealt with us. And for those of you who have children, you know what I'm talking about. Boy or girl is kind of what you hope for, but you have no idea how that kid's going to come out. Mm. Mm. My dad, I did not know what he was like. And it, for as children, we do not know what our parents are like until we are older. And when our experiences and the forces in our life start shaping our perspectives and our reality. But I learned what scares him. I learned about mortality and I learned about the end of life because he's getting up there in age and you can't redo events anymore. So you only have those memories as you get older. Um, I also learned what it really took to be successful in business and in life. And it was an amazing piece. Uh, it was an amazing conversation that I had with him about that. What was so special about me, and I'll, and I'll leave this with this, because I know we got to wrap up, is my father and I both shared the same childhood dream that we never, ever discussed before until that road trip. Wow. And that was a rocket launch. Oh. So my dad was in college when the men landed, when we landed on the moon and I was six years, seven years old when I wanted to see a rocket launched from Cape Canaveral in the U S I never told my dad about it. I don't know how I didn't tell him about it. And he never told me about it, but could you imagine since the age of 13, he had already seen us landing on the moon, but he had never in person see a rocket launch. Yeah. So for the last 61 years, he has been wanting to see a rocket launch. And he has told me the amount of times that he has gone to Florida and those rocket launches did not go off. So for 61 years, this man has been chasing a childhood dream. Not intensely, mm. but it's been on the back of his mind. Yeah. And we got to experience that together. Oh. We both got to share that same dream sitting on the beach together. And without giving too much away in this book, there was something spiritual, something life-changing that moved inside me when I looked at my dad. Mm. The two of us standing on that beach watching this rocket, it was the Tesla SpaceX launch, the SpaceX launch, bringing four people into the International Space Station in November of 2020. And I was thinking this, I realized that my dad is me. <laughs> and I was so afraid of becoming him because I never understood him. But by the time that trip ended, and I realized that the rocket had launched into the air. I had realized that I am my father's son. Wow. And, I knew under, and I knew what that was. And so the book really talks about what we learn the most from our parents. Mm. It talks about the, the lessons, the journeys, and how we should, as children, should take time to really get to know them outside of being mom and dad. Because yeah. they were people before us. Yeah. And how we can set ourselves up for our own kids, whether we have them or not. I do not have children. But I know after having that experience with my dad, what I am hoping to build in relationship for my future children, because I want them to have a relationship with me and know me as the man that I, was, that I am, 
before they came into this world. Mm. And so the book really talks about that. Uh, it should be coming out later this year in 2020 in the fall. Um, and so far it's, it's been amazing. Pro- it's been amazing to write a book so quickly. It took me two weeks to write the entire book. Cause it only com- it only comprised the entire two weeks. Wow. Um, I cried the entire time I wrote it. Um, it was a lot of healing. And most importantly, um, I would say it's one of the proudest things that I've done in my life is to write a book about my dad and really share what it really meant for us to be on that trip and meant for me uh, mm-hmm. to be on that trip. So that, that book's going to be called just right now. It's going to be called road trip with my dad. Uh, do not know if the publisher is going to change the title. Uh, but if it does, and, uh, but if it does, since it's not out, I would love for all of you to just give me a follow on Instagram at Mike Ligori writes, uh, and Carrie, I'll send you the, the handle itself, but you can stay up to date with me. And then when that book comes out, I'm sure I'll, I'm going to tell everybody because I, I really think this is a book that's going to change so many people's relationships with their parents. I think so. I think you're right there, Mike. And, and I'm looking forward to it because thank you. Oh, so awesome. That road trip and, and now what that's turned into and your discovery of, of your dad. Yeah. It's amazing. Yeah. Amazing story. I love that. So thank much. you. Um, we do have to wrap it up. I will be popping links in the show notes of how everyone can find you, Mike. So thank you so much. And thank you for your time and sharing so much with us on this show. It's just been amazing. So thank you. Oh, it's been an absolute honor, Carrie. Thank you for having me and, and allowing me to share my voice and, and knowledge with your with your audience. So thank you. Awesome. Thanks, Mike. We'll chat again soon. All right. Take care. Thank you for tuning in to the Biz Nation podcast. It was lovely to share this episode with you. Remember to subscribe to catch all future episodes. And I'd also very much love it if you'd leave me a rating or a review. Until next time, remember that you can also go from headache to heaven in a heartbeat.